Well, good morning, everybody. How are you all doing? Good. Good? Staying warm enough? <laughs> all right. Well, um, first, I want to, I'm curious. I'm, I'm curious, first and foremost. Uh, have you seen an ad recently that has claimed to have the secret to something major in life? Anybody? Like the secret to weight loss. That's probably the most common one that I see. I don't know what's going on with big tech and their algorithms, but they think that I love these advertisements. They think that they work on me because I see them all the time. Like we have the secret to weight loss and nobody else has ever heard this secret before. We have the secret and then they make you watch for like 20 minutes before they actually tell you about the secret. You know, there's secrets to everything. There's secrets to better sleep. There's secrets to growing your influence, being a better leader. My personal favorite is we have the secret for earning six figures a year without lifting your finger and retiring when you're 30. <laughs> That's my personal favorite, right? Huh? I'll forward that one to you. You're past 30, Dan. <laughs> You're too late. <laughs> All right. Well, we have five secrets for you. <laughs> five secrets for growth. If you are serious about growing this year, these will change your life. The difference is that these are right under your nose. You've probably heard them before. The thing about these secrets, though, is that we, once we implement them, they really will change your life. If you want to grow with Jesus, if you want to grow personally, if you want to grow with the world around you, these secrets are imperative. This, this Sunday, today, we're on secret number two, and here it is. Are you ready for it? Yes. Ready? At home, are you ready? Okay. Read your Bible. Yes. Read the Bible. Read the Bible. All right, Tanner, you can come back up wherever you're at. We're done. <laughs> Uh, just kidding. <laughs> All right, so some of you in the room or at home are probably thinking, okay, duh, obviously. I've heard that one before, <laughs> many times. Some of you may be thinking, oh, man, I can't believe he just told me to read my Bible again. <laughs> I've been told that hundreds of times in my lifetime. And then I don't know where some of you are at also. Some, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't really need the Bible to, to grow in my relationship with God. I, I'm close with God. I don't really need to, to read more. I'm good. Well, wherever you're at, I want to make the case that if you read your Bible, you will grow. Plain and simple. If you read the Bible, you will grow. And if that is true, why don't we read it very much? Statistically speaking, there are over 2 billion Christians in the world, and this one particular research firm has projected that less than 30% of those Christians will read through the entire Bible in their lifetime. If we focus in on America, 82% of Christian Americans only read their Bibles on Sundays while they're in church. Why aren't we reading it more? Well, the issue is definitely not availability, right? You probably have a Bible. I'm sure that you own one. If you don't, I mean, some of you might own upwards of 10. But if you don't own a Bible, you can also pull out your phone and access it within seconds, Availability is not the issue. I think we're pretty spoiled. This has not been the case throughout the course of history. For be able, people to own their own personal Bibles, and many of them, or at least have access to it as quickly as we have access to it. It's new. I think we're spoiled. And just like kids who have every toy in the world, they can very easily take it for granted. And I think that's what we do with Scripture. I think we take it for granted. Because we don't really know what it is. So I want to posit to you, if we truly knew what this book was, we would never put it down. 
you truly knew what this book was, you would never put it down. You see, we have a God who speaks. Not a God who spoke, a God who speaks. But when we look back to how he spoke in the past, we're told right from the beginning, God said, let there be light, and boom, there was light. He said, let there be, let there be, let there be, and there was, and there was, and there was. When God speaks, the, the very fabric of reality changes. His speech is creative, literally. And this God has given us his words on these very pages. Do you realize that? Do you reflect on that? And like I said, our God is not a God who spoke. He's a God who speaks. He continues to speak to us today. And when we read these words on these pages, God speaks. And his powerful, creative, reality-shaping words are available to us at any moment of every day. We're spoiled. 2 Timothy 3.16, you may have heard this passage before. One of my favorites, a great, great memory verse. Paul writes, he says, all scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us what is true and to make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It corrects us when we are wrong and teaches us to do what is right. God uses it to prepare and equip his people to do every good work. So I'm reading from the NLT right now. All scripture is inspired by God. Many translations will say God breathed. It's actually a more natural reading of the original language, that all scripture is God breathed. It is sourced from God. Yes, including numbers. I don't know what it is about numbers. Man, numbers gets a bad rap. People joke about it all the time. Like, oh, you know, the Bible's so interesting. You read numbers, it's just a list of numbers. Uh, it's actually pretty exciting. <laughs> so I'll tell you this. This, is a, this was a... a Christmas gift for my wife this year. This is the Jesus-centered Bible. Uh, many of you use this. I know Brian's used this before. Alicia uses this. This Bible, I've been wanting it for a while. Amanda finally got it for me. It's, it's the NLT, the New Living Translation. It's meant to be more readable. It's put in a little bit more contemporary English. And uh, I've taken it upon myself to read, upon, read through the whole Bible in a year again. I've done it before with other translations, but this is my first time through the NLT. And God is using it to speak to me all over again. Because again, God is continuing to speak. He wants to speak to us through this book. I just made it past numbers, and it's exciting. God used numbers to speak to me. Actually, Leviticus is the weird one. That's the one that's like the entire thing is just sacrifices. So, um, but yes, God will use every single page of this book to speak to you. So what we have here, what we have here are the very words of the God of all creation. These are his words to us. So if we truly understand, not from just an intellectual standpoint, we understand at a heart level that these are God's words to us, that he wants to speak to us through these pages. If we truly understood that, we wouldn't put this book down. For a moment, I want to look at Psalm 119. There's a guy named David very famous guy in the Old Testament. He wrote Psalm 119. He wrote many of the Psalms. Um, the greatest king in Israel's history still was extremely flawed and made some terrible, terrible decisions. But he wrote much of the Psalms. And I want to give you a glimpse of what it's like to treasure this book, 
the treasure the Bible. It's, it's the longest psalm. It's the, actually the longest chapter in the entire Bible, which is fun, and it's about Scripture. The longest chapter in the entire Bible, and it's David pouring out his awe and his affection for God's Word. So I picked a handful of individual verses from this chapter. In verse 20, David says, I am always overwhelmed with a desire for your regulations. 47 and 48, how I delight in your commands, how I love them. I honor and love your commands. I meditate on your decrees. 72, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. 97, oh, how I love your instructions. I think about them all day long. 103, how sweet your words taste to me. They are sweeter than honey. 105, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. 143 and 144, as pressure and stress bear down on me. How many of us can relate with that right now? As pressure and stress bear down on me, I find joy in your commands. Notice he says commands. I always find that interesting. Not promises. Some of us will run to God's promises, but he says, I find joy in your commands. Your laws are always right. Help me to understand them so I may live. 162, I rejoice in your word like one who discovers a great treasure. Do we really understand what we hold in our hands? I want to invite you to take a moment. If you have your own Bible, Hold it in front of you. If you don't, we have Bibles around here. Just pick up a Bible or even if you want to look at your phone because it's still God's word, but just take a moment and look at what you hold. Do you really understand what you have? The power of God that is available to you in these words, that he wants to meet you here. Because the Bible is God's primary way of speaking to us. God, God speaks in a lot of different ways. And a lot of different ways are recorded in Scripture, like dreams, visions, audible voices from heaven. Like He speaks in a lot of ways. But his primary way of speaking to us is through his word. He has given this to us as a gift. It's a gift to us. If you've ever been frustrated and feel like God is silent or like he's distant, go read your Bible some more. And I know that feels that may not feel like a nice answer. Oh yeah, just have you read your Bible? Well, okay, but still, it's true. Go read your Bible some more. Sometimes I think that we expect God to speak to us in a different way. If he really wants to get our attention, we think he's gonna be obvious, right? I've never heard an audible voice from God. Many of us haven't. I know people who have. Sometimes we think, okay, well, if God really wants my attention, he's gonna make it that obvious. It's not how God works. He's chosen to speak to us primarily through this book. Think about the people that you know that are closest to God for a moment. The people that you know that are closest to God. They know who they are. They know who their God is. They're close. They're passionate. They feel like, um, they seem like their, their, their purpose is just firm in their life. Those people read their Bibles. They know it inside and out, and they read it often. Have you ever heard a spiritually mature person say, I don't really read the Bible that much. You know, I don't like to read, and God's cool with that. We're, he understands. I haven't. 
I've heard people say that, and they're not, they're not really that close with God. If you don't read your Bible, you shouldn't be surprised when he feels silent. That might be hard to hear, but it's true. Imagine with me for a second. Imagine a time, this may be hard for some of you, imagine a time before the internet. Go way, 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 way back, right? Especially for, for my generation and younger. Go back to a time before the internet existed. And let's go further, before cell phones existed, before phones at all existed, right? Back into a time where virtually the only kind of communication you had was face-to-face -face or in writing, right? Imagine that you are separated from your loved one, whoever that is, someone you deeply admire and love, and you're, you're apart from them for a whole year, and all you have is written communication. And you take it upon yourself saying, I'm gonna write this person every single week for the next year until I see them. And then finally that year comes to an end and you get to see that person face to face again and you embrace and you pick up right where you left off and then they say to you, so what you been up to? <laughs> well, well, did you see any of my letters? I wrote to you every week for a year. Ah, uh, nah, <laughs> I don't really like reading. I just figured I'd wait until I saw you in person. Okay, one, how would that feel for you? But two, how much intimacy was just completely missed out on? It's what happens when you don't read your Bible, honestly. God has given you his word. It's been handed to you, and because of modern technology, it is accessible at an instant from anywhere in the world, even if you don't have a paper copy with you. God has given this to us to speak to us. Are we listening? Are we searching for his voice. I want to make that distinction because there's a, there's a clear difference between information and intimacy, right? I think for some of us, the problem is that we come to Scripture as a source for information only, right? I want to read you a quote by a guy named J.I. Packer. Great, great theologian and writer. Unfortunately, he passed away last year. He lived a long, full life, though. Um, but I've, I've loved getting into some more of his books. He wrote this in this book called Knowing God. He says, God sends his word to us in the character of both information and invitation. It comes to woo us as well as to instruct us. It not merely puts us in the picture of what God has done and is doing, but also calls us into personal communion with the loving Lord himself. When we come to this book solely as a source of information, it is so easy to fall into the mindset of like, oh, well, I've read that before. I kind of know the gist of it. We do that in church too. I, I fall into this trap. If, if a verse is quoted that I've read before or that I'm familiar with, I'm like, oh, I know, what he, I know where they're going. I know what's going on. <laughs> but it's an invitation to greater intimacy because again, God speaks through these words in new ways all the time. This isn't about just learning more about God. When you come to these pages, when you read these words, you get to grow in your very intimacy with God. He meets you here on these pages in a way that is different than when you get on your knees and pray. That's different when you come to, to church and listen to someone who, who's done some more research. He meets you differently here. Hear me on this. I'm gonna be quoting scripture today. 
If you go home and read the exact same scriptures for yourself and in your own prayer time, God will meet you there with a greater intimacy than he will right here. Because this is corporate, right? We do this together as a church family, but what you do in private with the Lord and his word, he will use that and grow his intimacy with you. It's different. It's interactive. God is on every single page of this book. Every page. And he's waiting to meet you here. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 20 through 21. Another great memory verse. Peter writes, he says, Above all, you must realize that no prophecy in Scripture ever came from the prophet's own understanding or from human initiative. No, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit and they spoke from God. Human beings wrote this book, but God is the ultimate author behind it. Every word in this book is from God for you. And as a side note, I want to point this out too, just because this, this message is not going to go this direction. I actually preached a message about a year ago uh, answering the question, is the Bible reliable? We were going through a series called Questions. You can find that on our website. I think if you're watching online, um, in that online platform, you should see a link just pop in there pretty soon. It's a pretty cool tool, right? Okay. Anyway, I really encourage you to go check that out, not just because it's me speaking. I mean, if you want to for that reason, that's fine too. But I'm gonna, I answered some questions then that, are, that some of you may be having. So I'm not going to get into the nitty-gritty of how did we get the Bible? Is it true? Is it like, where did, where did it come from? How does, it, how does this dynamic work between human authors and a divine author? That's all in that message. So as a side note, just want to throw that, that out there. But back to this understanding that the writers of Scripture were carried by the Holy Spirit. Scripture is alive. This isn't like any other book. It's not dead or it's, stag it's not stagnant. Just because it was written thousands of years ago does not mean that it's outdated because it is from God, it is alive, it is active. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is alive and powerful. It is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes our innermost thoughts and desires. There's no other book that can do that. God is on every page. This book is alive. These are his very words to us. When we come to these pages, God meets us there in a real and powerful way. Every time you read it, God will speak to you differently. Like I said, I'm going back through the Old Testament. He's speaking to me differently this time around. He's pointing things out to me that are different than what I've known before. And sometimes it's something that I already knew, but it'll hit me in a different way. And God will use that to, to, to point to something else in my own life that I'm going through right now and say, oh, I can see a connection. I can see what you might want me to learn from this and apply in my own life. He speaks to you differently when you read this. So not only do we grow with God when we come to Scripture, we also grow personally. If you want to grow personally, read your Bible. We grow personally when we read it because it's your story. This is your story. Yes, it's God's story. It's really the story of everything. Not, not comprehensive. It doesn't cover every aspect of history, but it's the story of God, of humanity, of the world, everything. Past, present, future. 
but it's your story. You don't know who you are until you understand who God says you are. Period. And God tells you who you are in these pages. When you come to Scripture, if you know your Bible well, you understand so much more about yourself. You understand what does it even mean to be a human being. You understand what your purpose was when God created you. You understand that you have a mission here and now that God wants to commission you for a purpose. You understand your future. You understand that God has a a, a number of promises that are meant for you. you. You know how this whole thing ends. It's called, called revelation. It's confusing, but it's here. It tells us how this whole thing called life, this whole world, how everything ends, and we can know and have hope and trust in the God who has always shown himself true. You learn about yourself when you read this. We need to allow it to guide us, to influence our thoughts, influence our decisions, influence the way that we see the world, because it's the story of everything, and it's our story. You need to be shaped by it. Think about it this way. If you really let scripture shape you, right? Not just learning about God, but if you let it shape you, shape your thoughts, shape the way that you live, you wouldn't be afraid of death, right? Because we would understand, and again, this is hard because I'm afraid of death, right? But we would understand that this physical life is the this tiniest fraction of our existence, We would understand that death will not win. It's not the end, that there is a future beyond that because Jesus defeated death, so will we. We would understand that. And if we're shaped by it, then that fear would go away. If we were shaped by this, then we could truly have peace in every single circumstance, period. Right? It's one thing to be told that passage. You know, if things are really hard, oh, you know, just believe in in God and read your Bible and he'll give you peace that surpasses all understanding. Like, we we may have heard that before, but it's it's not until you really get... into the word over and over and over again and allow it to shape you that you can really and fully experience that. We need to be shaped by scripture. There's a reason why in the Old Testament one of the most common commands is to remember. This is something that God is pointing out to me very clearly because I've been reading through this and that word, remember, or do not forget, shows up a lot, (laughs) a lot. Don't forget, remember who God is, remember who you are, remember his promises, remember where he's taking you, remember, 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 because it is so easy to forget. It is so unbelievably easy to forget. And when we forget, we latch on to whatever's close by. It's what we do as people. You know, it's funny because as I'm reading through the the first few books of the Bible, it's occurring to me how st- stupid the Israelites really seem to me. <laughs> and many of us think that. We read this, we're like, my gosh, a bunch of idiots. <laughs> what is wrong with you? How did you forget? I mean, we lo- I look at this and be like, God parted the Red Sea and you got to walk through it when he delivered you from slavery and you're, you, you forgot about that? You wandered the desert for 40 years and God miracu- miraculously provided food and water for you and you forgot about him? What is wrong with you? But again, the way that God is using this to speak to me, I've been a Christian for almost 15 years now. They wandered the desert for 40. Man, I often walk through life not even thinking about some of the things that God did in my past. 
God rocked my world when I was a teenager, so much so he wooed me, brought me to himself, and saved me. I wasn't raised in a Christian home, right? God did that, and he did it through some pretty amazing things, and it's so easy for me to forget that. The Israelites are not stupid, they're human. It doesn't matter what God does in your life, we have to remember over and over and over and over again who he is, who we are, what his promises are, where he's leading us forward. We have to be shaped by it. I want to point something out, too. I just found this really interesting. Um, they complained a lot to Moses, a lot. At one point in their journey, they come to Moses and they say, why have you led us out of a land flowing with milk and honey into this wilderness? They refer to the land of their enslavement as with this, the very language that God used to describe the promised land that he was leading them into. They forgot, and so they started longing for what was in the past, even though it was terrible to them. They latched on to it. They held on to it. We were better off in Egypt. And they completely lose sight of the fact that God is trying to lead them into the promised land. How often do we lose sight of who God is, where he is leading us? We need to be shaped by this. We need to become people of the book. It needs to be our treasure above all else. I want to revisit Psalm 119, verse 72 in particular. David says, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions and gold and silver. Is this our treasure? Do we cherish this with everything that we have? I've got with me a wad of cash here. You can see this. I'm trying to. Wow, I heard a wow. Okay. I want you to know something. I want you to know something. Be honest with yourself. What did you just feel when I pulled this out? Could be the slightest nudge. Could be the slightest pull. Did you think to yourself, oh, that'd be nice to have? Did you say, wow? <laughs> when I hold this up, what do you feel? you feel? You see, if we really make this real and, and, and get into the nitty-gritty of do we treasure our Bibles, I want to give you, I want to escalate this a little bit. Imagine in this hypothetical situation, someone comes to you and says, hey, I've got a billion dollars for you. One billion dollars, a little bit more than some of the lotteries today. One billion dollars, but if you take it, you can never hold a Bible again. You can still go to church. You can still listen to the preacher. You can still, you know, listen to podcasts. You can still do that, but you can never touch a Bible again. If you're honest with yourself, would that be a hard decision? For some of us, it would be easy. We'd take the money. We're like, yeah, I can still go to church. I can still hear God's word. I can still, but, but do we treasure these words? Does this mean everything to us. 
Do we think about it so fondly that it, it, it captures our thoughts all throughout the day? Can we look at a massive sum of money and say, that means nothing to me compared to God's word for me because I meet him here. He speaks to me here. Do we value it? Do we treasure his word? Now I wanna I want to move into my last point and it's an extension of this. If we truly treasure scripture for what it is, then we should submit to it. If you wanna grow this year, you gotta submit to God's word, not your own. If you really wanna grow, you gotta submit to this and not your own word, not your own thoughts, not your own opinions. We live in a world that loves to use scripture rather than submit to it, right? People are aware of the Bible. Plenty of Christians use it and read it all the time, but we fall into this tendency, often myself included, of wanting to use scripture rather than submit to it. You see, we use it when it's beneficial to us. We use it when it makes us feel good. We use it to support our own ideas. We use it to shut down the ideas we don't like. We use it in a lot of different ways. We quote passages we like and we just ignore the ones we don't. We treat scripture like a tool rather than an authority to sit under. We're so quick to share our thoughts, our ideas, our opinions. And we have platforms to do it. We got Facebook, you got Twitter. I don't know if you use Twitter, Twitter's a weird one. Uh, we got YouTube, we got Instagram, we got all of these platforms designed for you to say whatever the heck you want whenever you wanna say it. And we're quick to do it and many people make a lot of money being influencers. Our value as a culture is not how you're being influenced, it's whether you can influence someone. There's not much question to that. As long as you can influence a lot of people, you will make money. We are so quick to throw our stuff out there. I sometimes will we'll just scroll through my Facebook feed and I'm like, why do you think that everybody needs to know that? <laughs> why? Just slow down for a second. You know, we've got our opinions on everything from social issues to politics to parenting to uh, spiritual issues. We've got our opinions on everything. And often we are very quick to voice our opinion rather than slowing down and making sure that it's rooted in God's word. Making sure that we're truly submitting to this as our authority. Like, I have a lot of opinions. If you've talked to me, you've, you've probably heard me. Sometimes we'll go on my soapbox, right? I've got my opinions. I think I'm right, otherwise I wouldn't hold them, but I know and I have to recognize in myself that I am fallible and that scripture is not. I need to consistently take my opinions, my thoughts, my views of the world and bring them with me as I read scripture and seeing if they check out. And if God reveals to me something that does not match what I believe, I change my belief. I don't change how I use scripture. And that, that can sometimes be really hard work. For some of us, we can think of instances where we'll read a passage and we'll be like, oh, I don't like that, I'm just gonna ignore it. That's a quick instance. There's other instances where people are so deeply ingrained in their perspective on one particular issue and they've got their passages that support it that they no longer go back to scripture just to make sure they're being faithful with the whole of it. Are we submitting to scripture? Are we 
Are we coming underneath it instead of trying to dictate to it? I'm fallible. Scripture is not. And if anybody was an exception to this, it would be Jesus, right? Jesus was perfect. He's God himself, God in the flesh. So I want to look at how Jesus treated Scripture. In Matthew chapter 4, it's not going to be on the screen, but you can turn there and follow along a little bit if you'd like. In Matthew chapter 4, Jesus famously goes into the desert to be tempted before he starts his ministry. He's tempted by Satan himself. And throughout this this passage, Satan tempts him three times. He's hungry, he's fasting, he hasn't been eating anything or drinking anything for 40 days, and Satan comes to him and says, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become loaves of bread. Say, hey, you're powerful enough, just feed yourself. And Jesus responds, the scriptures say, that's what the NLT says, some passage will say, it is written. The scriptures say, people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. So Satan tempts him again. He, says, he takes him to the holy city, Jerusalem, to the highest point, and says, if you're the son of God, just jump off. For the scriptures say, he will order his angels to protect you, and they will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. Satan quotes scripture to Jesus. You see that? And that's a nice sounding passage. That's something you'd see on Instagram. (laughs) Seriously, he will order his angels to protect you. They will hold you up with their hands so you won't even hurt your foot on a stone. That's, That's nice. Satan quotes scripture to Jesus. He uses it. He bends it, twists it to try to tempt Jesus. He is not submitting to it at all. And Jesus responds again with scripture. The scriptures also say he has a better understanding of the whole of it, right? You can't quote one passage of scripture and think that that supports your opinion. You got to submit to the entirety of this book. And that can take time. But Jesus responds. It also says you must not test the Lord your God. Just plain and simple. He tempts him a third time and finally Jesus says, get out of here, Satan. How cool would that be to say? (laughs) Get out of here, Satan. You don't belong here. The scriptures also say you must worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus submitted to the authority of scripture. He treated them as all authority. He very very much had the power to look at at Satan and say, I say to you, because he's God. He has the authority. But no, in every, instance he, in, in every instance, he chooses to point to Scripture. Jesus is obviously our final authority, and that is exactly why we need to take the Bible seriously. We need to submit to it and treasure it above all else because that's what Jesus did, and that's what he teaches us to do. I want to give you one more example of this. <clears throat> in the book of Acts, this is in the New Testament, Acts chapter 17, there's this group called the Bereans. And you may have heard about this before, but I want to read this again. Starting in verse 10. It says, That very night the believers sent Paul and Silas to Berea. When they arrived there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. So they're teaching to a bunch of Jewish people who obviously worship their God, who know what they think about the world, what they think about God, what they think about themselves. He goes there to teach, and it says, And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica. 
and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. But then what did they do? They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were teaching the truth. And as a result, because they heard a message and then they went to their scriptures and met God there and saw that it was true, as a result, many Jews believed, as did many of the prominent Greek women and men. I love that because it says they're more open-minded. You can be open-minded, but you gotta, ha- you gotta submit to something. Sometimes we're so open-minded, we don't submit to anything, and then just whatever sounds nice or whatever feels good or whatever the most people believe, we just leap on board with that and say, okay, I'll, I'll, believe, I'll believe that. They were open-minded, and then they went to the scriptures and searched and searched and searched. How many of us are equipped to do that? How many of us are so in our Bible that when we hear a truth claim, we know, okay, I don't know how I feel about that, so I'm gonna go to the Bible and I'm gonna figure out where it is and whether it supports it and what, you know. How many of us do that on a regular basis? So I'll tell you, again, if you just take what I say this morning and, and go home and just accept it as truth, you know, again, I think I'm teaching truth, but I don't know. <laughs> I could be wrong on some, some of these things. I could be slightly off, you know, but if you take what I say and go home and do the study yourself, that's when you will discover whether it's really true or not. And that's when you will meet God in the midst of it. This book is the source of ultimate truth. God is on these pages. Do we treasure it? Do we submit to it? As a recap, I just want to point this out, um, what we've talked about. I truly believe that if we understood what we hold in our hands, we would never put it down. And I tell you, this is is someone on stage, I get to, to preach, which is, I love this opportunity. There are plenty of days I wake up and I do not want to pick up my Bible. So this is for me too. But if we fully understood what this is, not from a head level, but allowing that to seep into our hearts and understand at a deep soul level that this is the word of God for us, that he will meet us here, that he speaks to us here. It's the source of ultimate truth that we can trust this. We would never put it down. And we'll grow like crazy because we'll meet God there. We will learn about our story. This is who you are. This is where you come from. This is where you're going. It's all here. And then finally, we need to submit to it. If you really want to grow this year, submit to the Bible. Submit to the authority of these words. And that takes a lot of time. I can tell you personally, the times of my life where I have felt closest to God, the absolute closest to God are the times where I was reading my Bible very regularly. The times that I have felt the most distant from God, I have not been in my Bible. I don't always notice it in the moment, right? So think about it for yourself. If you feel distant from God right now, ask yourself, how much are you really treasuring this? How much are you really getting into this? And shift gears. Wherever you're at, I want to encourage you to take another step. Take a step forward in the right direction. What is this going to look like for you to get into this more? Make a plan, right? I've been wanting and meaning to get through the Bible in a year for like the last five years. (laughs) It's been a while since I've done it. 
Sometimes it's, you know, a fresh perspective, a different translation, a fresh Bible that I can mark up all over again, pens and highlighters. Sometimes it's that to get me to actually step into that. And it's, God's been rewarding that so much in my life. I've been, been hearing so much more from him this year because of it. The first thing that needs to happen, though, is that the excuses need to go. We all have our excuses. I don't have enough time. I don't like to read. Every time I read it, I'm confused and I don't understand it and it's hard. The excuses have to go though. Because again, if you truly treasure this and truly understand what it is, you don't really have that option. The excuses need to go. It's hard work to follow Jesus. It's hard work to read the Bible. It is an old book. There are things that are really difficult to understand. I still don't, as I'm reading, I'm still writing a bunch of question marks and like, okay, I gotta go do some more study here because I don't know what I'm reading sometimes. But take a step, move in the right direction and get in your Bible and work to make this the treasure of your life. And for those of you who don't like to read or really struggle to read, did you know you can listen to it? There are other options out there. The Bible app that most of us have us have on our phones, the YouVersion Bible app. You, there's a little speaker icon. You tap that, it'll start reading to you. There's, there's plenty of ways to get into it. So stop the excuses and make a plan. Take a step wherever you're at. If you don't read your Bible at all, read a chapter a day. Just start with something, right? If you read every day, but it's maybe five to 10 minutes, up the time. If you want to read the Bible in a year, that is a phenomenal way to get through the entire Bible and kind of see things at a big, broad brushstroke level. I'm reading five chapters a day, um, knowing that I'll miss a couple days every week with the kids and whatnot. But if you read three chapters a day, you'll finish in a year. If you read five a day and have a couple, you know, a couple days off every week and the weekend or something like that, you'll, you'll get through in about 10 months if you're consistent five a day for five days a week. Try it. <laughs> if you want to go through it chronologically too, I'll make sure that this gets up on the website this week, but Mark Arnett has put in his own personal plan to read through the Bible chronologically in a year. Didn't know if you know this, but the Bible is not written chronologically. A lot of it is chronological, but it's very thematic in how it's organized. So sometimes it's, it can be helpful to read through it in a different way like that. But wherever you're at, take a step in the right direction. Make a plan to get in your Bible more and cherish it. And if you know anything about, you know, understanding something from a, from an, a mind level and trying to move that into your heart, that, that doesn't, you can't do that with a flip of a switch. The more that I get in this Bible, in, in this Bible, in any Bible, the more I get in God's word, the more I treasure it. I've invited you to reflect a little bit on what this is, what you actually hold. But know that just reflecting on this for a few minutes on a Sunday morning is not gonna change your heart completely. Get into it, cherish it, treasure it. Expect to meet God here and know that he will meet you. He will speak to you and he will grow you more than you can ever imagine if you commit to putting yourself in a position to hear his voice. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for this morning. I thank you that you are a God who speaks, that you are not silent, that you didn't just speak at one point in history and just leave it the rest to us, that you 
consistently and continually wants to get our attention, that you woo us, that, you, that you've given us this amazing gift of your word. Please change our hearts. We cannot change our hearts on our own. We need you to help us to value your word. Would you help us to make a plan and follow through with it and expect to meet you there in a new way, Lord? Thank you so much for who you are, for what you're doing. Shape us by your word and help us to become more and more the people that you've placed here in this specific point of the earth at this specific time to accomplish the mission that you've given to us. I pray that we would more and more, especially as Rock Creek Church, be the people that you've created. Be the people that you intended us to be and to join you in your mission. Lord, more than anything, we just ask that we can hear your voice clearly more and more, that we would grow in our intimacy with you and that we would submit to you and your authority and your word. We thank you, Jesus, and we pray all this in your holy and wonderful name. Amen. Would you stand?